talking Illinois high school football. If your goals are as high as you talk about, tonight's the night you go out and just take one more step. It's a view from the West. And it starts right now! Welcome to View from the West podcast, episode number one. I'm your host, Greg Armstrong. Thank you so much for downloading and listening. First, I want to start out by stating the obvious. I love high school football. I worked in local television covering sports for about 12 years in the Quad Cities area. Big schools, small schools, it didn't matter. I loved covering high school sports. For most places, it is the lifeblood of the community, and there's no better place to feel that than under the Friday night lights or walking the sidelines on a beautiful, crisp playoff afternoon in November. After leaving the television business, I have stayed involved helping out WQAD on Friday nights because I've just always had that itch. And so here we are. Truth be told, this podcast was supposed to start back in June of 2020, but I don't think I need to explain why the delay. But either way, Illinois high school sports are back, football is on the horizon, and so a view from the West is a go. The podcast will mainly be covering Western Big Six, the Three Rivers Athletic Conference, the Lincoln Trail, and the Northwest Upstate Illini. But if it's happening on the western side of the state, I want to talk about it. In this podcast, you'll hear from head coaches. I want to know what makes them tick, how they prepare, how their teams execute. But like I said before, so much of high school football is about the community of people involved. I plan to talk to familiar faces and personalities that have covered the sport and that give high school football the life that it has. Before I go any farther, I do want to pause and send out my thoughts and prayers to Mike Poposi and his family. The legendary former head coach of the Sterling Newman Comets recently suffered a heart attack. Coach Poposi is one of the best you'll ever run into in high school sports. Coach, we're thinking about you and we're praying for a full recovery. Staying in Sterling, in this first episode, we'll start by talking to head coach John Schlemmer of the Sterling Golden Warriors, one year into the Western Big Six and one conference crown. That's not a bad start. Following that, we'll talk about the best football conference in the state of Illinois. Over the past decade, this conference has produced nine state champions. I'm, of course, talking about the Northwest Upstate Illini. Kyle Kampmeyer covers the conference and is here to catch us up on all things NUIC. But first, head coach John Schlemmer. All right, well, we'll jump right in. View from the West podcast, the debut episode. My first guest ever, head coach of the Sterling Golden Warriors, John Schlemmer. Coach, thanks for joining me. Fun, man. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. And honestly, you're probably doing me a huge favor because otherwise I'm sitting in my basement talking to myself or I'm talking my wife's ear off about high school football that she's only interested for so long. And then, you know, then we got to move on. So you're doing me a favor, I think. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm glad to get started talking about it as well. I mean, I think everybody's kind of been ready and um, it's a fun time right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Before we get into the upcoming season, let's go back. It's your ninth season as head coach. Uh, you've advanced the playoffs seven out of eight years, including two trips to the semifinals. Coach, let's talk about, I know you're a Metamora High School graduate. I am. I am proud. That's right. That's proud. right. And also, uh, you played football and baseball there and uh, actually went on to play baseball in college, correct? I did. I uh, grew up in Metamora, played, um, I was the son of a coach, my old man. Uh, I was a baseball coach, football coach, and, um, you know, I was able to 
able to surround myself with some pretty good players around me that uh, so I was on some really good teams football wise throughout my careers is uh, probably why I'm here doing what I'm doing today. Um, a lot of good, good people, cool influences, guys that uh, um, mentors that I look up to beyond belief. And uh, that's why I'm here. So yeah, I, uh, I had, a, had a good childhood, I guess, growing up and, and it kind of led me to uh, um, getting all this gray hair, you know, <laughs> doing what I'm currently doing now, but I wouldn't change it. Well, I'm right there with you, and I don't have the excuse of coaching football, so I guess. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so take me through. You played college baseball, and then you get back. Well, you know, once you're uh, in teaching, and it's high school football, not not baseball that you want to coach. Take me through getting back from baseball into football. You know, I I, I did. I played uh, for two years at ICC, um, Illinois Central College down in East Peoria, and. Got to a point where I figured, realized I couldn't hit, you know, they're throwing, you know, 85 mile an hour sliders, 92 mile an hour fastballs. It's, it wasn't my thing. Just wasn't good enough. Um, but I enjoyed it. And, you know, I went down to Eastern after that. And after I, um, you know, I was down to Eastern and football is something I think I always wanted to coach. Um, enjoyed playing baseball and I can't, my physical stature isn't uh, anything impressive. So as a college football player, probably didn't have a whole lot of, uh, um, probably wasn't going to go too far with that, but uh, the, the game, I love the game. Um, you know, everything that goes along with high school football in general. So, um, you know, when I was able to, it was at Eastern and, and got a job up in Sterling right out of college and um, got a great, uh, um, I guess, opportunity, Greg King, who's, who's our AD and, and he was the head football coach and kind of had a relationship with my dad. So it's not about what you know, it's who you know. And, um, got lucky to get a job here and five years an assistant under Greg and then took over and uh, we've been kind of rolling since and, and been really lucky to have what we got. All right so let, let's go back to that year you're hired and you're the you're the young hotshot head coach and you know everything what have you <laughs> yeah. what what did you think you know knew then and what have you learned what what's changed in the in the time you've been a head coach? <sighs> That's a good question I think probably I, I don't know. I was never a guy who thought I could do it all because I'm, I'm not that dumb. I'm, I'm smart enough to know I can't. Um, I've, I've been lucky to have fantastic assistants. And so, um, you know, there are things. And I think that first year, you kind of think a little bit more about scheme. Um, scheme's kind of important to you. You know, we kind of changed our offense and, and, and did some things different defensively. And I think that was kind of a focus um, and that's probably way down the road now. I mean, we, we kind of think we have a good scheme with what we do in all three phases, but uh, it's more about relationships and getting to know kids and, um, you know, just trying to find different ways to motivate kids. And, and we're really lucky here because, you know, those first couple of years, I mean, you, you know me well enough that I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off and, um, I, I don't understand why these kids buy it, but they do. And, and, you know, I think they, they understand how much myself and our staff care about them, but man, they, they, they do some things that uh, normal ordinary kids can't do. And, and, and uh, it's, it's awesome to see um, really the way that they are able to buy into what we're selling and, and, uh, and go from there. Talk a little bit about, you know, the consistency that your team produces. High-end, high-level consistency, winning games every year. And I know you're going to sell yourself short, but what, what goes into that consistency? I think it's just, you know, we talk about this as a staff all the time. Um, first couple of years that we were staff, one of my, 
my uh, sophomore coach, H. Dave Campbell, we talk all the time. We were always so nervous about everything. And we, we were playing somebody, and we were decent. You know, we were six and three, I think, my first year. And, um, but we, we got in the mentality that I think we prepare. My staff prepares very, very well because I don't know how to say this. We're not scared of anything. But, man, we, we don't take anything for granted. And we don't uh, – um, even those years in 16, 17, 18, 19, when we've had some pretty good teams – you know, every week, you know, we we, uh, we pucker up a little bit. We're, we're nervous. And, and people might not think that um, when it comes to because we've had so much success. But um, the, our staff, we don't take anything for granted. I think we prepare the same way we've prepared always, um, whether it's week one. You know, we've been lucky enough to play in a week 13 a couple times. And I think that that consistency of we're always just – I mean, we're always staying on our kids all the time. And, and you know, we, we kind of stay the course when it comes to that. Um, that's probably the thing that I think has, has transferred over because we're not, we don't, we don't have an off day. We can't, you know, we're, we're pretty decent at times, but we're not good enough to have off days. And so um, as a coaching staff, you got to make sure that you let your kids understand that. I guess, you know, speaking of off days, you've probably had more than your fair share of off days in the last year Take me through a little bit about what the last year has been like, but then also now I mean, how you've been preparing. And now when you get the green light, you know, you're about to, you know, you're on the doorstep of starting up again. Sure. Um, my wife's more excited for me to get started with football than I think I am. I mean, I, uh, you know, getting home at four 30 and, you know, got toys all over the place. You know, I she she's like, you need football. So it's, it's been different. And then everybody's gone through the same thing that, that we have. And, um, you just look at the opportunities. We talked the other day. I bet I've watched my defensive coordinator, Michael May. I bet he's watched every game from last year 10 times. And you get to a point where we're going back and we're watching games from 17 and you're looking for little things. And it's, it's almost just fun to watch the games. But this last year kind of getting prepared is, um, man, when you're sitting around and you're just thinking, okay, we got this, you know, we, we really like our seniors. We really like our team. We think we got some really good players. And, and just knowing that those kids might have missed out on an opportunity to play, that's, that's the thing that, that we struggled with, I think. And, you know, shooting kids texts, hey, how's everything going? And, and I think you've probably talked to enough coaches. Resiliency is like something from the kids, I think. They're just – they're ready, you know, and they, they never really missed a beat, and, uh, which was cool. But, um, you know, once we – was it Wednesday? We got the, the, the verdict of the, the season. Man, yep. it was cool. It was cool. I sent out an email to our, all of our kids and all of our parents and um, just to see a couple of our seniors, you know, have that opportunity to play was really, really cool. Yeah, well, take me through. You know, you referenced the team a little bit. What do you got, you know, for this condensed spring season? What, what's your team look like? What's the makeup of it? We won't have huge numbers. I'll tell you that. I mean, we're um, – our junior and senior classes, although we think that they have a lot of talent, like we have some really good players, we don't have a ton of kids. Um, and so uh, the ones – you know, our depth maybe this year isn't going to be what it's been possibly in the, in the last couple of years. Um, but across the board, when we look at it, you know, we say that, you know, we have – a lot of returning kids, kids that have played in really, really big games, kids that have played in semifinal games, 
um, kids that have played against, you know, top tier level talent. Um, so, you know, up front, I think offensively and defensively is where it starts. And, you know, we're a little bit younger at time in places, but um, nonetheless, I think that we, you know, we got to replace a quarterback, a, a kid who, um, you know, Cooper Wilman, who was a, who was an awfully good player for us for a couple of years. So we got to figure out how to, how to replace him. And, um, you know, we think we have a couple of guys that'll compete for that job. And, you know, we got a couple of good running backs that are coming back that are going to do a really good job for us. And, you know, defensively, I think our linebacking crews, you know, can be pretty good. And, you know, we throw all that all together. I mean, you know, in a six-game schedule, you got to kind of figure out what you want to do and, and um, you know, the things that you need to implement and the things that you need to, uh, to cut out. But, but we're going to get going. How many coaches around the state roll their eyes when they hear you talking about needing to replace a quarterback? <laughs> You're right. We talked about it. Probably so because, man, we've went through, we've went through a stretch and um, – you know, it just keeps, you know, from you go back my first year, Tanner Morse, and then, you know, you got into Sterling Thornton for a couple of years was a starter for us, and then Trey Morse, and then, um, you know, Cam Bailey took over, and, and him and Cooper split time, and then Coop last year. So uh, we've been on a run, man. We've been on a run. We've had some really good, intelligent kids who um, – and I was talking to a buddy the other day. I'm probably harder on my quarterbacks than – it doesn't make sense why I'm so – I played quarterback, you know, I, and I'm just really, really hard on those guys. Um, expect, you know, kind of expect so much out of them, and it's crazy. They just continue to deliver for us. So, um, you know, we got, we got two young kids, that uh, junior and a sophomore, who are, um, you know, we think are, are going to both be really good players. So uh, it'll be kind of fun to see. And that, that whole summer battle, that's not there. It's going to be a, a pretty condensed uh, sample size to see – you know, and, and we've played two before, so it doesn't mean we can't do that again. Talk a little bit about that. There is no, there is no kind of preseason, essentially. It's just you're going to practice, and then you're going to get going. And the season, you know, it'll be over. You think a nine-week season goes quick. Now think about six. You're, you're exactly right. You don't even have that buildup to it. So we kind of have to see the things that we can do and the things that we can't do. It's going to be fun because when we jump in and, and our, you know, we got a lot of basketball players. We share with kids here, which is great. So we're not going to do a crazy amount of stuff before we get to that first practice. And it's going to be, we're going to jump into it and then it's going to be like, let's go. So it'll be fun. Does this spring season almost become like, like a preseason or like a tryout for some sophomores and juniors who are going to be then ready to go in the fall? I mean, less than a year away from their next season. Yeah. Yeah. But but, you know, they got, we, we got JV team here. We got a freshman team here. Yeah. Um, I got like 16 seniors that, you know, they, they've, it's their time and it's their team. And, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to play to win. That's what we do. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, but we're still going to develop the heck out of kids in practice. And, um, you know, if a kid earns that spot, then, you know, he'll, then so be it. But, uh, you know, I got seniors that I know there's no postseason this year, but that, that doesn't matter. I mean, we, we want to see our seniors play and succeed and, and get out there, but um, we also will have some younger kids that obviously, you know, have earned the right to, to play it as well. Well, you haven't lost a Western Big Six game yet, so I'd say that's good enough motivation to, you know, keep that streak going, right? Well, sure, you know, and, and we think the league's probably going to be, you know, a little bit better this year, I mean, with some of the teams. And so, um, you know, for us to find a way how to – you know, I mean, you look at some of the offenses in the league, just look at some of the players. And um, I'm sure you've seen the schedule. We play everybody except, you know, Galesburg. And I think they're going to be um, <clears throat> better just because they played so many young kids the last couple of years. And 
Uh, but it, it's something for us that we're going to, we're going to find, we got to find a way, we got to find a way and, you know, we're going to play good defense. And, um, you know, I, it's one of those things, I guess you win, you win some games and, and there's a target and there's a target and that's okay. You know, what do they say? Pre, uh, uh, pressure is a privilege. You know, you, you want to make sure, you know, if you don't have any pressure on you and, um, you know, it's, it's all those little things aren't, aren't mattering then, man, what are you playing for? So our kids, they got a little bullseye on their back just because, you know, we had some success in the league last year. And, um, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to kind of embrace that, though. Well, I think, yeah, you guys showed up and they invite you to the league and now you're public enemy number one, I think. So it was <laughs> <laughs> what you want, you know, what you want. I mean, I hope we're doing things right. And uh, we're not the enemy for the wrong reasons. But uh, if we're going to have a bullseye on our back because we win games, that's where we want to be as a, as a program. All right, let's go. One of my favorite things we used to do, well, they still do it at WQID when I was there, was the mic'd up segment. Yeah. Get in the locker room before a game, get a coach mic'd up. You are always gracious, willing to do it, which we really appreciate. And you may be one of the best. You, you, had, you had some good pregame speeches. So let, let's break it down here. What's the art to a good, to that perfect pregame speech? I don't know. I think it might black out a little bit or something, you know, just kind of. <laughs> I, it's not for me, it's not something I'm thinking about the week before, or, you know, Hey, what am I going to say? It's just, um, it's probably sounds a little corny, but you look at those kids eyes. I mean, I, I don't, I, I tell people all the time. I think all coaches would probably to a certain extent, but like, you know, they're, they're locked in. They're, they're excited. They're focused. They want to be there. And, um, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. It's probably just some crazy guy yelling a lot and, you know, his teams go out there and win. So, um, but, you know, I think just getting our kids, just letting them understand, hey, the moment's there and um, embrace it. You know, it's because we've, we've played in some big games and those are the ones that you want to play in. So um, embrace that moment, go out there and, and just play. And so uh, it's fun. It's fun. All right. Well, we'll have a little fun here. We'll move, move it on to, uh, so let's say you're not in the locker room. You can't be there for whatever reason. Who's the who's next up in the coaching depth chart to give that pregame speech? Who you who you going with? You know, I, I kind of went through um, funny thing like a contingency plan. You know, obviously with COVID, you got to put. So I got a contingency plan. So if if I'm gone, which they're probably all hoping, you know, who's going <laughs> to take this? And then if you know, um, I think my defensive coordinator, uh, Michael May, man, he's he's he wears every all of his emotions are on his sleeve. Uh, he loves it. He loves it. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to do everything I can for the next couple of years to, to make sure that he stays around here. But yeah. you know, one day I could see him being a very, very good head coach. And I think he'll do a good job at that, but he'd probably be the same as me and just get a little bit wacky and, and go from there. But uh, I think he'd be good. He'd be fun. Hey, hey that, that wacky and that loud, that's good TV. That's what we like. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right, hey, let's do a little uh, a little no huddle here. We're gonna go. We're gonna go some quick questions. Besides that blue and gold of Sterling, you got one. I'm a uniform guy, so this is where this is coming mm -hmm. from. You got one team's uniform in the Western Big Six that that you got to go with if you're not going with Sterling's colors. Oh man, colors or the uniforms themselves? Oh, you know, it's kind of a a multi layered question, I suppose. It's maybe your you choice. I think uh, UT's new ones are slick. I'm I'm not. Like the black and the, the orange, he put them on Twitter or something. I think you probably retweeted it. You probably – I probably saw that from you. But okay. I think their new uniforms are pretty slick. All right. All right. Good one. Good one. Let's go. One current coach in the NFL, college, or in high school 
that you can add to your staff full-time. He's not taking anybody's job, but he's just kind of always there, giving you advice, giving you tips, giving you insight. Who's the coach you'd want around all the time? I'm a saving guy. I mean, okay. I'm a saving guy. I'm probably old and wrinkly like that. You know, you got guys like Dabo who – great coach just not my style as much maybe but uh Nick Saban I mean for me I don't know how he continues to do what he does and you know with the staff turnover he has and I mean every year he's got a new coordinators and you know position coaches and the dude just wins I mean um yeah I mean I I'd probably step down and just give him the reins of course <laughs> but uh he, he's 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 somebody who I think does it really really well see but the thing is I would think you seem like more like Dabo on the sidelines because you're more animated and you're, you know, you're jumping up and down, but, but I can Watch see Saban. my animation usually is a little bit uh, more like Saban. It's, you know, um, he, uh, I get frustrated sometimes too, just like him, but uh, yeah, for me to sit here and compare myself to Nick Saban's pretty, <laughs> I don't, I cut that part out of this podcast. So. <laughs> uh, I, that's the headline on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Coach, Coach Slever says he is Saban of the Western big six. Similar. Yeah. No, that's uh <laughs> goodness if we could ever get to a place where we're having the success they've had and uh, that would be fun but uh, yeah man I'm I, I really like him all right there we go last question this is going off the football field mm -hmm. if we're if we're in Sterling and in theory under normal times we can go out to, to a restaurant and have a normal meal where's the best bar or restaurant to get the best food I'm a Kelly's guy Kelly's okay. downtown Kelly's pub and it's it's uh it's an Irish pub that serves Mexican food so Okay. We'll think well, that, but it's, uh, it's every Thursday in the season. That's where my staff and I, we go there. Um, you know, there's probably eight of us guys that, that cruise down there for dinner. And um, it's a cool atmosphere, small place, good food. Um, the people are great there. So that's, that's my choice. All right. Well, that kind of leads into my last, my very last part of this question then. Where's the place to go to hear the Sterling Golden Warriors glory day stories? And if you're going to sit at the bar or you're going to be in the restaurant and you're going to hear people talking about, you know, the good old days and we went for it on fourth down and I want to hear all the stories. Man, I think we're in a town that you can go about anywhere and hear that stuff. So, <laughs> um, and that's the cool thing, whether you're, you know, on Saturday or Friday mornings, I go out to, uh, to breakfast with our media guys and, um, you know, there's a table of, probably about 10 to 12 former teachers that are guys that are retired and um, man, they know a whole lot more about this place than I do. And it's fun just to kind of sit back and listen to them. But um, you know, in this town, you can really go anywhere and, and find somebody who's talking about it and somebody who's, you know, tied to the program in some way and, and, and um, they care about it, which is really cool. And I think it's probably a little harder in Sterling to get away with like the little white lie about like what happened in the game. Cause you guys have the video, the audio, the stats from everything from every era. You can't, you, Amazing, can't, really, isn't it? you can't really flub that stuff in Sterling. Like they know what was right and wrong. Correct. In the last couple of years, especially, I mean, like, man, our, you, you know, our media, what Jim Spencer and our foundation do is just, it's, you know, you go to, uh, I've seen pictures. We played in the, we played in the quarters in 17 over in Woodstock. And, uh, you know, we, we were lucky enough to win that one as a first quarter final game we won. And I get back to the bus and I'm just getting pictures on my phone from a couple of the bars in town restaurants. And I mean, uh, packed unbelievably because they stream the games and, you know, um, I think some people say, Oh, that takes away, but I don't think it does. I think it gives people the opportunity to, you know, all over the country, people are watching our games and some of my good friends, I got a friend down at Louisville and 
um, you know, my family, if my brother can't make it or whatever, everybody's watching the game. So um, it's really, really cool that, that we have that. And you're right. You can't, can't really hide because Spencer goes back to the 1910s or whatever with stats from, you know, us. We, I just watched our rock Island game the other day. We didn't last year was the first time since 1936 that we played them. Wow. So, yeah. yeah. And then the proximity it's, it's surprising, but that was a long, long stretch. Yeah. Well, Hey, that's all I got. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been a ton of fun. Maybe we'll uh, circle back and reconvene in the middle of the season and uh, see where we're at, how things are going. I hope so, man. Thanks for doing this. You guys, I mean, obviously when you're at WQAD and um, I'm not going to pump you up too much. You're not that good at what you do. <laughs> um, Don't do it. Yeah. You guys, I mean, you've kind of uh, taken the standard and set it and, and uh, it's cool for, I think you talked to all coaches around this area and uh, there's no better coverage in the state than, than what, you know, they do, you do. And, um, you know, for our kids, that's awesome. And, you know, as a coach, you can go back and I, my wife DVRs everything. So I can go back and watch all these things on DVR from two years ago. They're still on there and it, it's just fun. You guys do a great job. And, you know, you specifically is um, kind of getting into this and high school football is a, it's a weird thing because people get really attached to it, myself included, but um, there's no better game than it. So thanks, man. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I think, you know, it's, it's, it's so much more than a game to me, you know, it's the community and it's the people that are there and it's when the, fa when the fans are there and it's packed on a Friday night, like that to me is it's a community event. And especially, you know, when you get to the town like Sterling that they, they love their high school athletics regardless, but on a Friday night, man, it's a ton of fun. So it's, that's what drew me to doing this. Like that's what drew me to all of it. So, and, and don't pump up WQAD too much because Dazzo is yeah. still there and Dazzo is yeah. going to hear this. And so, Correct. you yeah. know, no, I'm not talking about him. Not okay, good. About, yeah, everybody else. Glad that's on the record. Yeah. Good. We'll, we'll, end up, we'll end on that then. Sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, man. All right. Well, for interview number two on this uh, debut podcast of View from the West, we're just heading not too far away from Sterling. We're going down in the land of, uh, let's see, Lena Winslow and Forreston. And you talk about any dominating 1A state program. It's probably in the Northwest Upstate Illini. So I'm welcoming Kyle Kampmeyer, the creator of NUIC Football. Uh, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. Kyle, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, thanks, Greg. I appreciate you having me on. Of course, this is always exciting, uh, especially considering that we're in the middle of a global pandemic and we're getting ready to return to sports here in the state of Illinois. Yeah, so, so speaking of that, how, how did you, of all people, survive a fall with not only no high school football, but no Northwest Upstate Illini? You got nothing in your area. That's, that's your whole life in the fall, I think. Uh, you're, you're right. Uh, me and Carrie are pretty committed to making sure that we get the area covered as far as football is uh, concerned. And uh, it was pretty, pretty bland here this past fall. Um, it gave us a lot of time to uh, reflect on a lot of different things, uh, take a look at how we want to present uh, our information going forward, starting with the 2021 season. Um, obviously, we're looking at quite a few teams from the NUIC leaving to go to eight-man football. So uh, we're trying to put in plans to be able to cover both 11-man and eight-man football and having the time off allowed us that time to take a look at those things. Awesome. Well, staying productive. That's, uh, that's the name of the game, I suppose. So. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, that you kind of, you know, you led into my first question here. Let's talk a little bit about before we talk about this upcoming season, you know, looking down the road, the, the conference is shifting a little bit. You know, you got some eight-man teams uh, that are going to join in, in Milledgeville and uh, I think who else? Orangeville, Aquin, 
Um, and then Polo's already done it for a year. But then on the other side of things, you got Fulton joining as an 11-man team. Is that official? Is, is that officially official yet? Fulton is officially joining at the start of fall of 2021. That is official. Okay. So what do we know as far as, um, is there going to be like a formal eight-man division and then an 11-man division? Or do you know how things are going to shake out? Uh, I don't know yet. Um, obviously, there's enough teams with seven from the NUIC playing eight-man football to where uh, they could have that. Obviously, eight-man football did shift to begin in 2021 with the North and South region, uh, which collectively will put all those NUIC teams facing each other um, regionally as the schedules break out. You know, most schools are looking to uh, stay within the area. I know a lot of coaches are interested to see as more teams join, if they could create their own uh, conference as well. So it'll be interesting to take a look in at what direction that heads. Overall, um, you know, when you look at, you know, the, the kind of eight man wave, it seemed, you know, as enrollments kind of, you know, fluctuate and start to tend and trend in the wrong direction. It seemed inevitable maybe in this, in this part of the state, what is your thoughts on eight man football and kind of the movement out there? Well, to be honest, I was never a huge advocate of eight man football. Um, I've always been an advocate of 11 man football, obviously with the changing landscape of football in the state of Illinois, I'm all about school camaraderie. I'm all about kids having the ability to play, learn how to play. And after taking in some eight man games, both in Iowa and uh, some of the games here in Illinois, you know, you, you take a look at the different uh, concepts that are there and it focuses a lot on team speed. And then you start to look at the national recruiting scene and you see a lot of national colleges that are looking at uh, eight man football players because of that speed that they are producing at that level. So um, I've warmed up to the idea of eight man football. Um, it was a lot of fun to watch. We were in uh, River Ridge or we were in Polo for the Polo River Ridge semifinal game last year. And uh, the speed of the game is no different. It's obviously a narrower field is the only difference, but the atmosphere and the gameplay, very similar to what you see in 11 man minus a few key players here and there do you think maybe there is the benefit for a team like river ridge and maybe looking at a team like milledgeville that this maybe levels the playing field for them a little bit to where you know in years past they weren't always competitive in 11 man milledgeville had some highlight years certainly but then you know that would follow by low numbers low win totals you know looking at a team like river ridge is this something that you really think can spark the program well, you, and you bring up a great program there in Milledgeville because if you look at their if you look at their uh, body of work over the last forty some years, you know they have highs and they have lows. And I mean, when their highs are high, they're very high, and when their lows are low, they're very low. And they, it, it's been a seesaw battle, and that's a perfect school to look at. Um, they haven't had the consistency as a Polo or an Aquin in those terms, as far as having the right kids at the right times uh, to compete on a year in year out basis. Um, I do think that them moving to eight man is definitely the direction to go um, along with a lot of these schools that are making that transition. Um, obviously that we still have a lot of opposers across the state that are pro 11 man football because that's the way football is supposed to be played. But I think as we start seeing more of these teams grow, uh, you're going to start to, um, 
see more people begin to fluctuate. I mean, I was just taking a look at some information on Iowa's eight-man football, and they're extending to a second class starting in 2021. Uh, so they have two eight-man division classes. So that's pretty cool to see. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, talk a little bit about on the 11-man front with Fulton joining. You know, Fulton was a perfect fit historically for the three rivers, but now it seems like, man, you couldn't find, I don't think a better program to jump into the Northwest upstate Illini. Fulton is uh, definitely doing the right thing. Um, jump into the NUIC considering that their enrollment has dropped considerably over the past few years. And now they're consistently in a one, a school, obviously with that, we've been fortunate enough to see them as a program in the playoffs a couple different times over the last few years. Uh, most notably last year, their game with Aquin, which was, pretty much a shootout battle. I mean, Aquin still won by three touchdowns, but considering the fact that Aquin was an undefeated team coming out of the NUIC and Fulton was five and four coming out of the three rivers, um, it was a very good game. Um, and Fulton can provide a lot of competitive atmospheres uh, moving forward. And um, I think the conference is definitely excited to have them on all fronts in all sports. Uh, the next campaign that you got to get going is to get Morrison to join them too. So we don't lose the, we don't lose the battle of the wooden shoe here. Come on. I, gotta- I, I, I totally agree. I know that in the past, there's been a lot of feelers going out to Morrison. Um, and it's been one of those where Morrison in the past has always been wanting to join the NUIC, but in a football only role where the NUIC wants the schools to be in there on all fronts of the sports spectrum. And, um, I personally would love to see Morrison join the NUIC. It's, it's up to the NUIC committee and, of course, uh, Morrison to make that happen. You got, the, you got the pull out there now. So you just you know, you start <laughs> sprinkling out those feelers, and I think we'll get there. We'll get there someday. Right. Uh, well, let's talk about the upcoming, you know, condensed, short, six-week season. You, know, you think a nine-week season goes fast. This is going to be blink of an eye, man. Well, that's just it. You know, you, you sit here and you go through an, a normal season and you're like, wow, it's week three already. And then you're in week six and week nine. And then all of a sudden you're doing your playoffs. And then the five weeks leading to the state championship game, while they go fast, they seem like they take the longest because there's so much action packed into that, trying to figure out logistics on who's going where and who's playing who. Obviously, the bracket helps play that out, but, you know, trying to get people to understand the home and away teams in a bracket scenario that IHSA has set up can sometimes be a little challenge, even though it's relatively easy on the grand scheme when you break it down. But, uh, yeah, this schedule is going to be uh, quite fast-paced, to say the least. Yeah, what are, uh, what are some teams to look for? And, uh, you know, once we get through the teams, what are some players, you know, that you're looking for, you're keeping your eye on? Well, I mean, right now, if you don't announce Lena Winslow, you've you got a problem, right? <laughs> That's I mean, right. They've, they've won four state titles in the last 10 years, and uh, they return uh, quite a bit. Um, around the league, they're definitely the favorite, once again, heading into the – postponed 2020 season we'll call it because it's hard to say 2021 yet (laughs) yeah but uh you know you got lena winslow on the front for the north division and you still have you have aquin that brings back a boatload of playmakers off of last year's uh quarterfinal team and they were undefeated last year until they ran into that buzzsaw called lena winslow and um, they're going to be right there nip and tucking. I mean, when you take a look at what Lena Winslow lost compared to what 
um, Aquins gaining, there's going to be a little bit more parity there among the front runners. Um, some other teams to definitely keep out, keep a lookout for. Um, you can never count out Forreston, especially in uh, the last 10 years. Um, and then uh, Orangeville has really started to put together some formulations. Obviously, they're one of the teams that are going to be transcending to eight-man, so this is their last go-around, and I know that they're chomping at the bit to get some last-minute competition against the NUIC rivals that they do have. And and uh, Stockton and, and Dupac. I mean, Dupac obviously just hit the scene here recently with the co-op and um, rolled into the playoffs last year, a little excited, uh, made it to the second round in that but they bring back a lot of talent. They're ready to go, and um, Stockton will face a new challenge with the new head coach and Matt Leitzen, but Coach Leitzen's very familiar with the NUIC, playing from, for Stockton and, of course, coaching at West Carroll the last few years. So he's got a lot of uh, history under his belt to help guide the Blackhawks with a lot of returning starters there as well. Yeah, so you mentioned uh, Orangeville and Aquin. Uh, they're both going eight-man, right, following this year? That's correct. And, and, and both teams should be pretty good 11-man teams. So Yes, yeah. So when you take a look at, you know, you have these big talent 8 or 11-man teams that are getting ready to shift to 8-man. I mean, if you were to do a state ranking this year, which I anticipate there should be one. If there's not, we're going to still generate our version of it. But uh, when you take a look at it, I mean, Orangeville and Aquin both should be ranked top 10 to start off the season at least. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a huge benefactor for uh, going to eight-man football, especially getting the playoff history that Aquin has. All right. Hey, let's, uh, let's transition. We'll do a little bit of a uh, little bit of no-huddle questions here. We'll move them quick. These are kind of the, you know, kind of the intangibles. All right. I need, I need you to give me your top three Northwest Upstate Illini uniforms. Oh, wow. You top got, three uniforms. You only got three. Okay. Uh, Stockton, love their uniforms. Lena Winslow in Orangeville. Wow, that was pretty quick. That was yeah. good. Uh, the criticism we always hear is Orangeville's not orange, but you know, I've, <laughs> I've come to know it, but uh, you know, I think it throws other people off. But you know, it's like I tell Coach Doyle and Coach Snyder, I love the purple and gold, man. Yeah, and they were always a rival of mine being from Dakotas. So I was gonna say, you're a Dakota guy, and that uniform did not come up. It did not. I'm not a fan of the current style of Dakota uniforms. Okay. What about the helmet, though? Helmet's good, right? The helmet's cool. I love the helmet look. Yeah. I like what uh, Coach Free did there, trying to play an ode to Coach Lano and the spear and then kind of put in his new development along with the players' ideas uh, behind it. So I thought that was pretty cool. Okay, absolutely. I do like that. All right, same thing. Top three venues to watch a game. Uh, Dakota. Pecatonica and River Ridge. Wow. Okay. Let's see. I've been to Dakota. Now is it, you're from Dakota, so you got to love that one. That's, that's, I home. do. It, it, you know, it may be biased, but I feel that Dakota has the best atmosphere as far as an overall campus with the football field right there, the track around it. A lot of people don't like the track around the football field. Me personally, I think it gives it an added touch. Yep. Uh, I would, uh, I would throw Milledgeville in there. I, I know I'm, I'm biased cause they're, they're kind of my go-to team. That's a team we covered a lot. So I love that how you bring that up. So if you had to actually throw in atmospheres, Milledgeville has a great one with the fans right on the field and same with Stockton. I love those two places. I like Stockton cause it's kind of like, it's the city park. It's just kind of right there. And it's, it's cool. That that's a beautiful place to drive up to on a Saturday and you know, November. 
Well, I'm being right on US 20. You get the semis driving by at night and they start <laughs> honking the horns as they're going by. I mean, Stockton's always been a very intimidating place to play when you're, in, you're, when you're not the home team. So Absolutely. Um, definitely love Stockton. Maybe, maybe one of my favorite stories ever from covering local high school sports. I left a Stockton game. I pull into Casey's and I'm getting gas. And there's an older gentleman who, on the other side of the gas pump pumping. He sees my TV car and he kind of peeks his head around the corner. And all he says is, how our boys look today. And I just oh, thought, yeah. that's everything, man. You just said so much right there. Stockton How our boys look football. today. Yeah. Stockton loves their football, man. There's no doubt about it. It was, it was perfect. All right. Now, you need to create a coaching staff out of current coaches in the NUIC. You need a head coach, an offensive coordinator, and a defensive coordinator. Oh, wow. Who are you, well, you going to go with? <laughs> <laughs> head coach, I'm going to go with Rick Aaron. There's no doubt about that. Yep. Um, you can't, you can't bypass a hall of famer. Um, offensive coordinator. I like the play schemes that Dan Blackburn has over at Aquin. He knows how to mix it up a lot. They're pretty uh, high powered, right? Last couple of years. They've been... Very high powered. Um, they run a spread offense, but they like to utilize the running game within the spread offense. And it works well for Aquin, especially considering the lack of size that they have up front. Um, as far as the defensive coordinator, uh, oh man, that's a tough one. Um, a lot of great defenses, but I have to give the tip of the cap to, uh, Kyle Zick at Forest and he knows how, I mean, he's the head coach there now, but he was longtime defensive coordinator, still runs the defense there, does an excellent job with his defenses. I think, I think you nailed it. Those are, those, those are probably the exact, uh, perfect picks, but now, now we're getting harder. I know you know your NUIC history, so all time, you got three coaches that you're putting on a staff with head, offensive coordinator, and defensive coordinator all time. Can you do it? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So head coach all time would uh, definitely have to be John O'Boyle. Um, when, when your when, name's on the scoreboard, I think that's that says something, right? It says a lot, and I, I mean uh, – I have a lot of respect for Rick Aaron, obviously, as previously mentioned, um, but John O'Boyle would definitely be the tip of the cap, and I think Rick would agree with that. Um, offensive coordinator, you know, um, I'm trying to think who would be a great offensive coordinator, but... Uh, I mean, Rick wouldn't um, be a bad choice here, right? Rick, Rick's not a bad choice, and that would... I mean, really, he, Rick puts a lot of that responsibility in Kyle Benson, and, uh, you know, they... They've been, uh, over the past 20 years with those two together, they've been able to formulate. So um, I have no problem putting Kyle Benson in that spot all time. All right. Um, and uh, defensive coordinator, you know, <laughs> we've had a lot of great defenses, but uh, Mike Highland up at Galena for a long time under Coach Cordy, I would definitely give him the tip of the cap on that one. Awesome. I love it. I love it. All right. Now we're going totally off the field. Last question's a two-parter. In the NUIC area, so this is going to encompass kind of a wide-ranging area here. Where's the best place, best restaurant to get food? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. There's, there's so many. You can name uh, a few. I'm giving you, you know, most head coaches only have one town to worry about. You're trying to name them all, so. Yeah. So when we're, uh, when we're in Lena and Stockton, we always like to go to coaches. Um, okay. I think that's just a staple um being there uh they have great food obviously great atmosphere especially after a game 
um, they do an excellent job. Um, uh, down in Forreston, you know, go to, uh, um, um, what is it, Mimos? Not Mimos. Yeah, Mimos. Okay. Yeah, the Maniscalcos. It's Mimos down in Forreston. They got great food as well. Uh, heading down to uh, Lanark would be uh, Brothers. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I haven't really hit any restaurants up in uh, the Galena, East Dubuque area. Sure. Um, but uh, River Ridge, I can't think of the name of it, but there's that uh, bar f restaurant right on the corner as you're uh, coming into Elizabeth there, right past the gas station. Excellent right. food there. All right. So the last part of the question, and you, you may know this from, you know, where, where you go and where you stop after games, where's the best place to hear about the glory days? You're going to sit down at a bar stool and you're going to start hearing guys talk about, you know, the good old days. Where do you go to hear those stories? Well, you could go to the Corner Tap in Stockton. Uh, you could stop at the Rock City Tap in Rock City. Okay. Um, Route 75 in Dakota, which is obviously a, new, a newer bar, but uh, they're starting to get a big trend of after-game atmosphere. Um, and, of course, um, there's that uh, bar in Galena right down the street from the high school. I can't yeah. think of the name of it, but that would be another good one to hit up. There is nothing, nothing I love more than walking into a place and seeing, like, high school memorabilia in the bar or in the restaurant, knowing, like, they get it. Like, they're into this community, and they, and they want, to, you know, want to embrace that. I love it. Oh, definitely, definitely. And yeah. I think that's why a lot of people like coaches because it's right in the middle of the road. Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, thank, uh, is your wife, Carrie? Is that, thank her for the assist there on the restaurants and the bars. Yeah, there. yeah. Car <laughs> Carrie was back there giving me some input. So she was helping out on that one for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me. You guys do great work. I, I love it. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, you can follow along weekly. You put out a video on Twitter or on, um, on YouTube and you give kind of your, you know, your recaps and then your, uh, you know, game previews really good stuff. You guys always, you know, your info and, uh, it creates, it creates some interesting banter on the Facebook. I'll say that. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, uh, I, I appreciate it. Uh, it's one of the things that we really enjoy doing. We put a lot of work into video preparation and, uh, I know that, uh, it definitely gets to go to some of the players on some of the comments that we make and coaches the same. So it is a lot of fun. It does generate some conversation. Um, and uh, creates a good atmosphere, I think. Well, as, a, as an old uh, Ottawa Marquette alum, I know when to kind of just sit back and keep my mouth shut on that board. I know <laughs> when to not say anything and just, you know, just let things go. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've had some reason to cheer here recently with uh, the Crusaders and yeah. what they've been able to accomplish over the past few years. And uh, definitely looking forward to a big season out of Marquette again, too. Yeah, if we could only get Forreston, they're always the one that they're the thorn in our side the last couple of times. So, yeah. Anyway, great meeting up with you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be in touch throughout the season, I'm sure. Sounds great, Greg. Thanks. All and right. Thanks have, a lot. Yep. Have a good one. That'll do it for this week's episode of View from the West. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to go out to Apple Podcasts or Podbean and subscribe so you can follow along and downloads will come automatically every week you can follow along on twitter at view from west pod you can also email me if you're interested in being a sponsor view from west pod at gmail.com thanks so much we'll see you next week <laughs>